0: whether you're looking for inspiration to get started or strategies to get growing i am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business welcome welcome everyone it's patty and i am thrilled to introduce you to gail larson our guest today gail has a host of accolades that i'll tell you a little bit about but the reason that i invited her on here is because she's my mentor in speaking. She is the person that helped me connect deeply to the story that was within me, which at its essence is what, really creates a great speaker. It's what Gail refers to as the home zone. And we're going to hear more from Gail in a moment. But to give you an idea of how incredible our guest is today, if you have ever thought of speaking or if you're in the speaking world, then someone has told you to read Transformational Speaking. I know that's how I found Gail. And Gail is the author of that amazing book. She is also the founder of Real Speaking, She hosts retreats, she hosts events, all designed to help speakers get to the heart of what makes them original. I am going to put Gail's full bio in the show notes so you can check it out. What I want you to know most about Gail is Gail is one of she's not going to like that I call her this, but she is one of the wise ones. She is one of the elders, although she's very young at heart. She is one of the elders that's been sent to guide us out of this last century. She is the one that is teaching thought leaders and transformational speakers how to convey their messages in the most powerful way. And when I think about people creating wealth, and staying aligned with their purpose, knowing what your original medicine is, which is what Gail teaches, is at the heart of that. So, Gail, welcome. I am so thrilled to have you here. Thank you, Patty.
1: And I am delighted to be called a wise woman and elder. Okay. Um, <laughs> better than a wise guy and elderly. <laughs> well, you. you know, yeah, well, I, you know, besides
0: the work we did. Um, a couple years ago, I got to be at a retreat with you that you led just recently, and I could have sworn that I called you one of our elders, and you said, I really am not a fan of that. So oh, if I got that
1: wrong, I'm- yeah, you might have used a different word. There's such a difference between elder and elderly. It's close, but it's a very different energy to be. <laughs>
0: Okay. Well, I would never call you elderly Gail. So I I know that did not happen. I know that didn't happen. You're you're definitely not that. Okay. So you know, there's a few questions I always like to ask all of our guests, and they're at the heart of why I do this podcast, which is to share with with the listeners all the amazing people I've encountered that have helped me on my journey of creating Wealth with Purpose. And so the first question is, you know, how do you define wealth? I define
1: wealth as being in a place of influence with what we deeply care about and being able to express that in whatever way feels true and aligned to our soul's. You know, there's many outer definitions, but I've really learned that if you get into that, it can drive you crazy because they're based on insufficiency and not enough. So wealth to me is that inner sense of abundance, sufficiency and expression that really allows us to show up in joy and commitment to what we most deeply care about.
0: I love that. And so then, knowing that that's your definition of wealth, and I know you live your purpose, how do you define your purpose?
1: My purpose is very much about being in a place and facilitating it in others where we're not, I guess I should say what we are instead of what we're not, where we are expressing what is true, and getting deeply connected with what we care about. I know that changes over time. It's part of the life journey. But I think when we know what we're here to do, and for me, it's around finding our voices in support of what we love, trusting that that when others do the same, we mend what is broken, that we really can extend ourselves in the world in the way that matters and so that it so that it works better you know i think if you look around it's not working that well and i think it's because many of us just step back and say it's too big and it's up to someone else and if more of us would step forward and do our part i think we'd see big change
0: Mm, Hmm. i love that so why
1: do you think so many people step back? Because it gets, we, we move into the story of one person doesn't matter. What I have to say isn't important. Let me get it together before I take a risk. Let's see what the great thinkers might have to add to the conversation. I think there's so many delaying tactics rather than just getting out on that edge and speaking what we most care about. It reminds me of that Rumi quote where he said, forget safety, live where you fear to live, destroy your reputation, be notorious. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It makes me laugh, but it's like, if we're waiting to be safe, we'll never do much of anything. Oh,
0: I love that because you know, we've of the interviews I've done so far, this this being able to walk that space away from safety to where your your soul is calling you seems to be that defining moment that takes people to the next level of whatever that is, whether it's wealth or fame or success
1: or whatever. It's always that courage to step away from safety. Mm-hmm. And, and you said an important piece there, Patty, where our soul is calling us. Because there's so much we'll do because we think we're supposed to, or someone else is asking it of us. But when it comes from that inner place of, of that, that tug and that certainty, then I think it's far more trustworthy. And I don't think the soul necessarily cares a whole lot about our comfort, but it sure does care about our expression.
0: Mm. Yes. And I see, so for those of you listening who haven't experienced Gail's work yet, um, because I truly hope if speaking is part of your future that you do experience her work in some way. The way that I learned from Gail is in a small group setting. So there were five or six of us. And Gail, I, I know it's I'm not the only one who thinks this. I've talked to some of the other um, people who have de- worked with you, and we're all remarked on the fact that within the small group, there's always at least one, maybe two people where at the beginning of the retreat, you're kind of looking at them and thinking, there is no way that Gail is going to get to the heart of their message. There's, there's no way they're going to get to a point where they can express themselves in a way that's honest and compelling because their fear just seems to be so present. Mm -hmm. And yet you always get them there. And I'm so curious what it is within you that helps you do that.
1: Hmm. Well, commitment, because I think each voice matters. And if we keep hiding behind what we think we're supposed to say, and techniques for saying it, we never get into how my teacher used to talk about it, getting out of jet lag of our lives and catching up to who we've become. And I think part of it is the process that we slow down enough to get current. We, we work with big questions. We explore things we haven't yet given voice to. And that gives a foundation then to step more solidly into what yet hasn't been expressed. And when we get there, as I'm sure you've noticed, sometimes what comes up is really surprising. Um, we tell stories we haven't told before. We have experiences of ourselves that may have been not felt possible. I I heard a wonderful uh, speaker last year, he was leading a workshop on ecology and mythology. His name is Martin Shaw, and he lives in the UK. He's kind of—he's a real guy, mountain man. So a lot of his metaphors are from being outdoors. And he said, "You don't trap a story; you track it." And I was like. Oh, I love that because that's home zone where I'm trying to get us when we're speaking. If we trap a story, it means we've scripted it. We've figured it out. We're going to deliver the goods. We know this story and it's part of our speaking. But when we track a story, it's not scripted. We know it. We speak from our experience. We're in it as we tell it. And the beauty of that is it's different every time, and it takes us as well as our audience into new and unexplored territory. So we don't get bored. It's not the same as the last time. It's alive. It's teaching us even as we tell it. Oh, I like that. It's teaching us even
0: as we're telling it, because that's my experience, and I I haven't heard you say that before. I'm sure you have, but I—that that is why I love speaking so much is because I know something about the truth of, of this life that I didn't know before I got up on
1: stage every single time. Mm, that's so good because then you look forward to it. It's it's, And I know that's part of what you've been talking about is fear of speaking and ways of looking at that. But when it becomes more fun because of the exploration instead of the fear, then we're kind of in it with our audience. You know, it's an adventure with them. They're ready for the surprise as well. Because when we're in our home zone, we're so connected to ourselves and what it is we're saying in the moment that we have the capacity then to connect with the hearts of those who are listening.
0: Yes. Yes. And, um, you know, I've, I don't consider myself to be a speaking coach. I really, I prefer to help people build their speaking business. I, and I refer people that need help on the stage to you, but, One question I get, or I guess one thing that surprises people that I've worked with, speakers I've worked with, is that I don't go on stage. And I know this is what you've trained me to do and what you train everyone to do is I don't go on the stage with a scripted speech. And that is very uh, shocking when people are starting out because they think they're going to get their speech or their talk. And then once they have it, then that's where they're like almost searching for their safety on stage. Let's, and, let's again
1: let's trap
0: it. <laughs> yeah. And what you teach is find your safety on stage by connecting to your home zone so that if you're always in your home zone you can't not be safe in that in that way that you're looking for. So and maybe I, maybe that's not your interpretation of it but that's how I feel about it. Could you describe to everyone what Your home zone is because obviously I know it and anyone who's read your book knows it But there's probably a lot of people listening that that have they're just finding out about your work
1: Well, let me say that what it isn't which is the comfort zone And it's a step up from the comfort zone. I'm not suggesting we don't need a comfort zone It's our credentials. It's the reason we get invited to speak We have something to say people know we're going to be professional we're going to meet that agreement, we're going to show up, and we're going to be a good speaker. But if it stops there, it's forgettable. Next, you know, we're on to whatever's next. But when we're in our home zone, then it's memorable because it's personal. You are so deeply connected and lined up. That what you're saying comes from a place that you honestly sometimes don't know what you will say next. When you just said to me, Patty, I've never heard it, you say it that way before. That a story teaches us, even as we tell it, I've never said that before. (laughs) It's this sense of, okay, I'm here, I'm in trust, I've tuned in, I've asked to be of service, And I'm going to trust in this moment that what arises is right for what's needed. And to do that on a stage, you can't do that with a script because you can't tune in energetically to either what wants to be said through you or to what is in that particular environment is needed in the moment. So there's this part of ourselves that I think maybe automatically scans and tells us what's needed. And it doesn't mean we don't prepare, that we don't structure. As you know, I work with sticky notes and big flip charts and getting key ideas up on that board that we most, that we want to include and then seeing how they might fit together. But my experience of this is, and I think it's been true for you as well, is that once we commit the time to creating the structure with the key elements that need to be part of that talk, we can talk about those. Then your subconscious has kind of done the work. You know, you know you're going to ha- how you're going to open. You know what your core message is for that. You're building everything toward making sure it lands. But you have a structure that then you say, OK, I know where I'm going. I know what I most care about leaving this audience with. And then there's a level of trust when we're in the home zone that will get there. And if someone gives you that, hey, you've got three minutes to wrap it up, you know how you're going to close it. So. It's not as terrifying as it might seem. We have done the work, but then we let go into what can be a greater experience for ourselves and for our audience. And, you
0: know, that's so beautifully said. And it, I think it's, it goes beyond, you know, speaking. And it's about a way of living, too. Mm-hmm. It's You've set, let's say, your goals, or you've set your business plan, or you've set your parenting plan or whatever it is. And so you have this structure, you have this end goal, but everything that happens in the middle, you have to trust that you're being guided by a source that that is achieving miracles beyond what the human condition can achieve.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and it's a way of showing up in our personal communications as well as our public. Mm-hmm. Because then mm. things will happen, you know, when it's not prescribed and we give up, do I look good in service of, let's be real. Then the possibility for transformation is there. Ooh, so good. So
0: something happened to me when I did your intensive where, you guided us to call forth a story. And I don't remember what the prompt was, but ultimately it was a story that is not a story I tell from the stage, nor was it a story I need to tell from the stage, at least for now. And it was about the journey, you know, with my mom through cancer uh, towards the end of her life and the difficulty. And, looking back on that i find that that story not being told was holding me back mm. from from finding my real story and i'm just curious if that happens um what that you find that from speakers that there's a story they just need to say once to get it out of the way
1: yeah i've heard that many times in classes because My prompt is really, what's alive for you now that you want to share? Do not Ah. work on a story because strategically you think you need to work on this story. Because once you're in your home zone, you can apply it to any story you tell, any material you want to speak about. But when you're intimately, when you're, I guess I would say, emotionally connected with a story that matters to you and you're willing to tell it, there's many things that can happen. One is it releases other stories. It is witnessed. It's OK. I've told that. I never need to tell it again. I had one woman say in a class, Patty, I'm going to tell a story I've never told, and I'll never tell it again. But I know it stands in the way of, my, of all the stories I'm really here to, to tell. Because there's some part of us that just needs to be witnessed in that big story that may never be something that we bring to the public. And to have a safe space to do that can open worlds. Mm. So do you think that,
0: let's say there's someone listening that has zero desire to become a speaker.
1: <laughs> the I idea of speaking just,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just not part of their journey, but you know, there's so much richness here and what you're sharing that maybe it's important for, for all of us, no matter what we plan to do with our speech to find that story that's alive in us and have it witnessed. If it feels like it's ready to come forward.
1: And your question
0: is do you think that that's important for everyone, whether yes. they want to be a speaker or not?
1: Yes. And, you know, I even question, I mean, we are all speakers. We're, you know, we are, we need to, to be willing to bring our voices forward, whether it's at the school board or the community or, I mean, I just read the most amazing thing on Facebook about a guy in Santa Fe And road rage. It was an incredible story about speaking truth because he had been, had someone on his tail who was honking. The guy was driving safely in a neighborhood. And the person behind him was so enraged and roared around him and then pulled into a driveway and stopped. And I was, this guy was so brave to pull up get out of the car go over and speak to him and say it sounds like you're having a really bad day mm. and they had this and the, the the person who got out who had who initiated this you know rational contact had been through hell he'd just had a death in his family he'd had a diagnosis it was like he's you know he just really got that other people are having bad days too and if we take it out which is my place. I mean, I yell a lot in traffic. It's a good release, but it's like (laughs) he had the courage to have that courageous conversation and create healing instead of more stress. And I was blown away. And, you know, I think it'd be harder for a woman to confront a man who's, you know, done that. And you could tell by this, this person's picture that he was a young man. But it was like, what a courageous thing to do. To just be human with someone. And that's home zone. That's moving past our fear into something that's true. And whether we're public speakers or not, we need practice in that for our to show up in the world in a way that can can bring insight and healing and, and resolution. So I'm curious, you've heard so many
0: people's stories and so many stories over the years. Is there one story that stands out to you that is, it it maybe changed you or it, it told you something new unexpectedly? I know a lot of the stories do that, but anything that really stands
1: out? You know, I just finished an immersion with six people this weekend and turned out to be all women, and, you know, we get good groups, but this was really a soul group, and I found myself, as you know, Patty, we do this, we don't put together a new talk until the end of the third day, but on the fourth day, we see what's what's ready to be expressed, and I found myself in tears with... Three of the six speakers, because the stories were so powerful. I mean, I think I've heard I've heard a lot of stories, yes, but when they come from that home zone and that true alignment with their purpose, so this particular story was one about healing differences and the fact that you know people who have been raised very differently. Show, don't know what the expectation is of them. I can't tell the story in detail because it's her story to tell and it will be made Mm -hmm. public soon. But it was like a story that just made me see more clearly than I've ever seen how we operate within our own perception and judge others when they honestly don't know what it is we would even expect from them. And it was probably a 10-minute story that was a roller coaster that, you know, brought it, I could say brought me to my knees, but it just brought me so fully into my heart. And seeing things in a new way, I love that. That's
0: beautiful. I can't wait until that talk's available. <laughs> you'll have to see. You'll have to secretly message me and say she's a going on stage, and it's her. And I I'm will. not going to tell
1: anyone else. <laughs> I will, because I mean, she called me yesterday, and um, I said, hey, "Okay, you're going to use that story to open your conference." And she said, "Yes, it's the perfect story." And you know that's what I love about this work. We get to the story. That allows people to trust us with the message we have to bring. A lot of facts and information are just more facts and information, and we tune out. But when our life brings us to the place that we are the only one qualified to say it the way we say it, and the whole message comes from the story, it changes everything. Yes. So we've
0: talked about, we've, spoken to original medicine, but I realized, um, I haven't asked you to share that with, uh, the listeners. So can you describe what original medicine is? Cause yes. that's, yes. The, that's the key that unlocks the door to
1: the home zone, right? I think so. I haven't, haven't said it that way before, but absolutely it's foundation because one of the difficult things in speaking or in life Is our tendency to move into comparison and competition, especially in speaking. We think someone else knows how to do it and if we watch them we'll figure it out instead of finding our own way. So original medicine is an indigenous teaching that has two parts. The first part is that we have gifts and talents that no one else has. They're nowhere else duplicated on this planet. The second part of the teaching is if we don't express it, it's lost to the world for all time. I mean, talk about an imperative to know our medicine and express it in the world. So I conceptually, it's a really good thing to know. But I spend quite a bit of time, as you know, it's about a three-hour process, to get very clear on naming what your medicine is, not as a resume of your attributes, but to look at what your inner self, your soul, your higher self recognizes as true. Rumi said, we each have a king inside who listens for what delights the soul. And there's a few words that with a proper investigation you get to, that when you say them, it's a reminder to yourself of who you are at your best. It usually makes you laugh because of that recognition. And it's a foundation for when you're feeling threatened or, gee, they can't hear me, or I don't want to speak up. When you remind yourself of your medicine, it's a reminder that if you don't say it, they're not going to hear it from anybody else. And it puts you in that place of claiming and understanding your power, so you speak from that power. Oh,
0: so good. And I think um, for those of you who are thinking of wanting to work with Gail, I will say there's a few ways to to do it. And even if you're just putting, um, you just want the first step, Gail does have a course just focused on identifying your original medicine. And um, we'll put the links to these, the ways to work with Gail in the show notes. Gail, I want to, I actually want to speak to that because As you were saying that, I'm reminded of how transformational it was for me. So, we worked, I worked with you two years ago, have been on the stage, you know, operating from my home zone, came back together with you at a retreat, and was lucky enough to be paired with you when we were doing the original medicine exercise. And and you helped me create a new original medicine name. And that has been. So
1: critical this year. Mm, I'm so glad to know it. You know, it's a beautiful exercise to do in partnership, Patty, because you know our minds go go into overdrive when we're trying to figure it out ourselves. But that reflection from someone who's listening to you answer the questions and being, you know, being in that field of energy that you create. Your medicine just fell out. I didn't have to think about it. It just fell out of my mouth. And then you lit up like, yes. Yeah. It. <laughs> and you had worked on no. it before, and I think it served you. But many times, I mean, I've had my medicine name for 15 years, but I felt like it needed something more festive. And I put a little revision on it this year because it needed that that upgrade so I wouldn't be so serious all the time. But sometimes Mm. it takes a while. You know, we name it and then it's, if we really hold that powerful intention that we're going to have the name that just lights us up and reminds us of our truth, then I think it will continue to morph. But you know, everyone in that room had worked with their medicine at one time and most people, even though the words change slightly, stayed with the the original intention
0: yes it's um, you know the the image that's coming to my mind is a spiral and it's that you know that ancient image of the spiral is all about you know we're what we're learning is not new and you know we're evolving but we're just getting to a deeper level mm-hmm. of you know, Clearing a deeper level of understanding, a deeper level of whatever, and that's what the shift in mine was. So, for those of you listening, I'm just going to tell you what my name is because it's going to, I think, it'll make it make more sense. So, the name that Gal helped me come to was Love Bomb, and it makes me smile just saying it right now.
1: And and then we had to decide how to spell it.
0: (laughs) Yes, and. Because is it bomb B-A-L-M, or B-O-M-B? And what I realized is it depends. And oh. that it depends on where the person is on whether they need love, love bomb B-A-L-M, or B-O-M-B, because I give both. And what, what it anchors me in, for those of you listening, I want you to understand the power of having this name, this original medicine name, is that there's been times where I've, my ego pulls me. And your, your original medicine name, if you can do this work and you can find this is it pulls you back to your soul. So there's times where there's the right quote unquote business decision, or there's the right, you know, there's speaking engagements where they can't pay me, but I, I agree to them because when I come back to, can I show up as a love bomb in this situation? It makes the answer very clear. Yes or no.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, one of the things I say about original medicine is when you know your medicine and your message, you're going to simplify and amplify everything because you know what to say no to. If you can't be that love bomb, huh, I'm not. it's not going to be any fun. I'm not going to yeah. have an impact. And you also know what, to, what, know what to say yes to because you're typically being Invited into a situation because of your medicine. They've seen who you are. It encouraged you to show up fully.
0: Yes. So, uh, yes. So, um, Gail, the last question that I ask everyone to answer is what advice do you have for someone who's listening that is pursuing wealth, whatever their definition of, and is, you know, staying aligned with their purpose. In in doing those two things simultaneously, what advice do you have for that person?
1: To consider that wealth is alignment with your purpose. You know, there's, again, that definition of wealth, I think, can trip us up every time. Patty, I was so moved at our Holy Fool's Day event at that retreat. When you gave the what if around wealth, You know, what if the wealth in this world were, how did you say it, managed, put into action by lightworkers? What a beautiful new story that is. I think we all need a new story around wealth. So I'd say when it gets um, like, when when it becomes really hard to create what we want, really need to look at the story we're telling ourselves and realign with our purpose and have that soul conversation about what's being asked. Well,
0: thank you so much, Gal. I love, love, love that answer. And for those of you who want to get more Gal, because, oh, get a hold of the wisdom of this woman. Um, We are going to put links in the show notes that will let you see how you can learn more from Gail and certainly get her book, Transformational Speaking. Gail, thank you so much for being here. And everyone, listen to what Gail has to offer and understand that wealth is alignment with your purpose. So good. Thank you, everyone. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Purpose podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found us. It fills my heart when I read a review and helps us reach many more people. So thank you.